0: You're listening to Creative Voices, sponsored by Tree
1: Park Store. Okay, so welcome to today's episode of Creative Voices. And myself and Andrew are chatting once again. And just before we came on air, you know, we put on the record sign and uh, told people outside to quieten down. (laughs) uh, We've been having a bit of a discussion about some of the historical aspects of Ireland. And during the point of this discussion, Andrew asked me to stop. Does that a lot. Stop talking <laughs> to you. Because apparently we have quite strong similarities in some of the historical aspects between the kind of cultural uh, aspects of Malta and Ireland. So we thought it might be interesting to come on air instead and, and talk a bit about that. So what was it that struck you in particular, Andrew, that we we're talking about? That, you well, know,
0: I mean, the obvious is that we're that the two countries are small countries mm-hmm. and that they're both former colonies Yeah, and that they're both of a very staunch Catholic background yeah right uh that much is obvious but then in terms i think of i think in terms of the economy and what they rely on they're both tax havens yeah they're both reliant on foreign investment to a a nutty level tourism features pretty dominantly in in their economy um i don't know what like irish the irish least have things like whiskey and and uh beef and uh sorry butter and butter mm. and the dairy kind of industry. Malta doesn't really have that.
1: I got sent a recipe the other day from someone in Hong Kong and it was in Chinese but they had the English translations and over the butter, everything else is just generic sugar, whatever. It actually said Kerrygold butter. No way. Yeah, it? yeah. Look <laughs> at we'll Kerrygold in Malta. Yeah, see? It's, yeah. it's prolific. I've seen it in like American TV shows and yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. There can't be that many cows and curries, lads. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> don't know where it's coming from. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's but then also the other thing that really struck me, and it came from what we were discussing just before we were recording. Mm. You were to, we were talking about politics, right? Yes. Which we're often <laughs> big <want>. surprise there. <laughs> <like, "Hoo-hoo." laughs> yeah, Who would have thunk? Yeah. Um, like, give me a little bit about the the how politics in Ireland works.
1: Yeah, so I guess we were talking about like the emergence of new political parties and yeah. you know, their um, alliances or lack of alliances, and where they may fit in in within the remit of you know going forward and and we talked particularly about like the current governmental structure with the join up of Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and how that was an (laughs) unknown, I know Fianna Fáil as I call them. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, this current emergence of something that they never thought was likely and have, I would imagine they've beaten the drum for that for many years of saying like, oh, you know, we're against them, we'd never, like, we're totally different, even though we're mostly the same. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember other political elections throughout the year when I was younger and paid less attention where it was very much like don't vote for them vote for us because we're the opposite and now here we are anyways all that led to the fact that I was mentioning how like the older generation in Ireland have this and I've mentioned this before probably a few times this show. being a young state we have a bit of a political or historical legacy where your politics is your granddad's politics because whoever you sided with whichever side of the fence you fell on even though it's a very similar fence you know, that was what was brought into your household. That was the echo chamber of your house as a as a kid or an adult, where yeah. your dad said, "Oh, we always vote Finnegale because we vote Fine Gael, and you will too." And a kind of tribalism, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's basically like you know, GA on a political level. You know, <laughs> that's what yeah. it is. You know, it's- and. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, and I, I was just saying that, like, you know, I, I know people whose whose parents are staunch supporters of one of the other parties, and yet will still give out immensely about that particular party yeah. and will continue to vote for them and will possibly go campaigning for them yeah. and tell their kids to vote for them, expecting yeah. things to somehow change, even though, why would they? Because for those who are in power, they're not going to change because it's their dad's politics and potentially still their, their dad's businesses and others that benefit from their politics. Yeah. So... There's no real hope for change unless we change how government is formed.
0: Which is a, that's a big statement. It's a big we ask. We have a whole yeah. conversation about, about that. Um, but that struck me when you were t- telling me about that, just how similar that, that is to Malta as well. So we, Malta shares in common the the mindset, the political mindset, the tribalism. Hmm. Um, in Malta, it's a bi-party thing. So <laughs> I know when, at least in Ireland you've got You've got Fine Gael, Fianna Sinn Féin, People Before Profit, Social Democrats, Green Party, yeah. and a few other fringe, nut yeah, jobs, yeah. National Party, and all that kind of crap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in Malta, you've got Labour Party and Nationalist Party, and that's pretty much it. Well, okay. So you're only ever really choosing between the two. Whenever you tried, there was Al- uh, Alternativa Democratica, which I think as the name implies, <laughs> Democratic <laughs> Alternative. No, what, tell me, what's their politics? Yeah. <laughs> um was like a third kind of... Yeah option that's never had any real footing in government and
1: legacy wise who like did the Labour Party come about after the Nationalist Party or
0: I mean much like Irish history as you you were telling me I mean that's an episode in itself yeah yeah. I'm probably not the best qualified person to tell you I can tell you that the current incarnations of the parties well throughout his so Malta got independence in 64 or five
1: Ireland. Forty God, God, I got myself in That's a lot a of trouble yeah. here.
0: <laughs> a while ago.
1: Well, depends what the like the state was formed in the late forties, but we're like technically a republic from the twenties, by name, if not by dint. Right. You know, the Irish and then you have the Irish Free State and Let's just say we lost the counties up north yeah. in the twenties, Okay. and we had sort of versions of it after that. But as as a stage, as a fully formed stage, only since forty seven, I think. Crisis on my friends who are listening to this now, who know, and it's just like You're
0: horrified, going get like. your fucking ears chewed <laughs> yeah. off. But um, so they're both quite young countries as well. Yeah, yeah. Really, when you yeah, look at very it, very young. Way. From
1: Malta, like
0: oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they and I mean. The history is really a rich, interesting one, right? But mm-hmm. the similarity similarities between the two, and I, this struck me. I was reading a, a book by Fintan O'Toole, mm. um, the journalist who I really yeah. like, uh, called "Ship of Fools," and yeah. it talks about how corruption and stupidity
1: yeah.
0: crashed the Celtic Tiger. Yeah, um, and it's just it's funny that during Ireland's kind of formation, people like Charles. Now is it Charles Hohey or Hawkey? hi Hawkey. Yeah, oh Charles no.
1: Hohey. <laughs> he was Hawking a few things as well, so you could call
0: him Hawkey if you like, I'd say. Yeah. Him and then his uh successor, Bercy Ahern, I think it was.
1: Uh yeah, I think so. Did we not have C- certainly Albert Bertie Reynolds Ahern was, was his him?
0: was his um protege. Yeah. Anyway. Um they kind of introduced this I keep using the word neoliberal. But they introduced this kind of um, selling off elements to foreign entities, bringing in foreign investment, they would call it, uh, all with the backhand envelopes and, the you know, deregulating the banks and, you know, letting them play silly buggers with people's money and all that kind of thing. And uh, almost overtly stealing. I mean, they, uh, Hohi, Charlie Boy, boy. stole from the state, right? Yeah. Anyway, he but he the, the point I'm getting to anyway is that he talks about how even when certain things were revealed, like the Ansbacher uh, Bank uh, issue and a uh, couple of other things anyway, yeah. the number of votes for the people who had been caught with their hands in a till increased mm-hmm. in their respective uh, constituencies, right? Yeah. Um, Malta's exactly the same. <laughs> and it's because of his clientelism it's just yeah. because it's such a small place, it's like Well, perhaps if I'm giving them my support and whatever, I might be able to garner some something. I might be able to bend their ear about something and get their help. Like I, I
1: find campaigning at people's doors fucking hilarious. Does anyone actually believe that when you say to the guy, if you if I vote for you there's no record of that anywhere. They can't check that you vote and they don't have to like come back around and build that footpath for your community because you get them no, a vote. True. The true. fact that anyone thinks that's gonna make any difference is just
0: Unless you have access to the tent and the Galway races yeah, when you're then talking to and I think that's where it seems to work a hell of a lot and Malta's exactly the same. Yeah. In Malta, it's like you can find out as was the case in 2017, Daphne Caruana Galizia who we'll talk about at some yeah. point the Maltese journalist revealed that ministers had banks, uh, had offshore accounts and, in uh, when the Panama Papers were revealed mm. and she was kind of instrumental in helping reveal some of that. Her son, who's uh, a puts her uh, award winning journalist, helped with the leaking of the information about the Panama Papers, right? Yeah. Um, when it was revealed that certain ministers likely had or had accounts, their, the Labour Party's support increased. Every, they they gained a, a wider majority. It's like, i just place them. Like. <laughs> that's it. That's it. They were like, oh well, you know, sure, who wouldn't in their position? Yeah. And there seems to be an overlap or a similarity mm. in a, between Ireland and Malta in that respect as well.
1: Like as you are talking, I pulled up the list of t there just to double check, and it, yeah. was, it was Albert Reynolds after Charles High. Yeah. And scrolling through them, none of them would inspire you. <laughs> Good no.
0: Lord, it's terrible. No, no, exactly, oh, exactly. It's yeah. It's and but so that so they're both countries that who have been coming to grips with their I mean, Ireland has a far longer legacy of it, obviously, mm-hmm. dating back to at least nineteen sixteen mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're both countries that in the developing of their identity and their sense of self and their independence and everything have had baked into the system this you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, um and this uh the the neoliberal uh, free market kind of system, right? Yeah. And then the other thing I was reading this other book by. I have a lot of time on my hands. I was um, say, forget about that soon. I was reading this other book, uh, "The Irish State and Revolution" by James O'Toole. Yeah, just started up on that. And anyway, and his basic premise is that the um, civil war parties, the when they were essentially put put simply kicking out the English yeah. and establishing their politics. There was yeah. a split in the revolutionaries. There was yeah. an, immediately a counter-revolutionary m- movement populated by the rich, populated yeah. by the bankers and the the merchants and whatever else who were like, well, the the Ireland that, Ireland that we envision is yeah. one where we're still on top. Yeah. You know. And <laughs> Malta had the same thing. To, but anyway, sorry.
1: I, well, I just think that as you're talking there, what's, what's kind of hilarious about Irish politics and people's relationship with it in this country is that think we're all acutely aware and have been for some time of just how corrupt and broken it is and it almost becomes in a classic irish sense rather than deal with it we'll just make a joke about it and then, you know yeah. we'll just you know like everyone's aware of all the i just thinking back of some of the stuff we've pissed away money in this country on the last few years that have garnered nothing like the children's hospital yeah the the Bertie bowl did you hear about this
0: yes it did it, it, it... It's a sports venue, right? It's a Well, it's nothing. It doesn't even exist. It was oh, it was supposed, yeah. supposed to be. Yeah, right. yeah.
1: Okay. Stuff like that was a greenfield site that they bought off some guy and gave him like oh, a ridiculous amount of money. Right. And then he bought it back off them a few years later for a fraction of what it cost him. So he basically it off and had a nice holiday for himself for a few years and it came
0: out the other side of a rich with the property. But someone like, money-exchanged hands. So oh, like yeah, they lined consultants, their man, somewhere.
1: you know, and, and... Oh, actually, do you know what we love? We love an old tribunal in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to be said, but, like, let's tribunal the shit out of this because someone can get paid for
0: years for that stuff, yes. man. Yes. Well, that's... But that's... Oh, my God, the similarities are so <laughs> striking between the two countries. It's just nuts. It's like...
1: Do you remember, like when you, you watch a movie and then, like, people are like, oh, we just have to get this information to the press? You're like, uh-huh. Uh, and then what happens?
0: Because yeah. if this is Ireland... Nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. (laughs) The same kind of cynicism pervades Malta. The sense, like, well, that's just the way it is, and for the most part, it's like, well, make you know, extract from it what you can for yourself. Um, And so Malta as well, much like Ireland, there is that that sense of they will have the tribunals or they'll have the Mm. um, what's the other word that they they had the inquiries and stuff and whatever for it. And fuck all comes of it. Yeah. Like absolutely nothing. And then, and like I said, I'd like to touch, it's such a big subject, um, Daphne Caruana Galizia. It, it may require more than one episode, I don't know. Mm. Um, but she was trying to reveal this yeah. to the people um, in, on her blog, which was the most, more widely read than any of the main news outlets. Yeah, And because of the hatred between Labour and Nationalist, Which is not on. uh, Let me backtrack a little bit here, okay, to give you a sense of the similarities. Ireland has never had a left-wing progressive uh, party Mm. in government; it's always been a conservative party. In Malta, Labour claims to be a left-wing party, and it does a lot of the pinkwashing, so it's in favor of like um, gay rights and trans rights. So socially, it's progressive, and abortion, and what Malta doesn't have, have abortion. Um uh so they're in favour of that. But in terms of how the system runs the the money minded um inequality kind of setup, it's as conservative as any party that's been in government in Ireland, yeah. right? So there is no real left. Yeah, yeah. They'll claim to be yeah. socialist left. Yeah. There's the none the of left. that there. Um another similarity between the between the the two countries yeah um but you were telling me before we started that you know some of your friends plural (laughs) um might have parents who will you know you mentioned it you know just earlier when we were chatting but it's like they will rail against their own party yeah yeah Yeah. but still vote for them to keep why is that
1: i don't know if it's a a belief or a mindset that because and i think this stems back to what i was saying about like because we've never had a government that's been formed from anything other than the main parties yeah that maybe in some way they think that you know it would be a waste of time to vote any other way because no one's going to really get into power no one's going to progress change because no matter what you do it's like how we all sat back and watched in amazement as trump got elected you know and then we're like right well We've had four years of this lunatic, but surely at the end, people will cop on and. And then, how many votes did he get?
0: Yeah, he still got. He actually increased his voting. There you go. Yeah.
1: There you crazy. I don't know the exact number, but I know it increased. It's it's millions. It's literally millions of people. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing too. Like there was this kind of notion in Ireland when Fianna Fáil went out of power in about like. 2011 or what where they had ruined the fucking country yeah between like bertie was Taoiseach from i'm looking at it here from 97 to 2008 which is quite a long time yeah yeah you know it's long enough for one person to have quite an impact yeah um
0: definitely so right up until the crash
1: yeah yeah <laughs> basically <yeah. laughs> he's basically steering that whole thing you know yeah uh, the, the uh, ship of fools that's. yeah and this is a man who, like, was openly mocked on public radio by the likes of Gift Grub and stuff at the time for... He's essentially a clown, to be honest with you. Essentially was he? He's essentially a clown, you know? Right, like, yeah. it's It's... He it doesn't even have... He's not even a figure who sh- seems like they should be in charge of anything, you know?
0: The man and yet he's, he's still called on for his opinions, though, isn't he? Like, they still bring him on to, like, TV and stuff to ask his opinion. But it's
1: like... You know... Would you ask a chef... Who's terrible, but has cooked a lot of meals to cook you a meal? That's effectively yeah. what they're doing. They're like, "But he's cooked a lot of meals." You're like, "Yes, but they were all shite." Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But get him in here. He's worked there for a long yeah. time. You know, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's been consistently bad throughout. You know, yeah. It's, um, yeah. yeah, and then Brian Cowan, who t- flew to a man. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> i am mean, you know, learning through you yeah yeah, like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm, like look like i finished college in 2003 so i emerged into a, a country that was supposedly on the up and and yeah. then like the crack started to show very quickly you know yeah. and it was just thankfully i'd kept a level ahead throughout like i, I had friends who were buying houses and and I say houses as in friend, a friend who's buying houses at the time and stuff. Not like friends buying houses, plural. Right, yeah, who People yeah. were in- invested in multiple properties and people like telling me. Wow. I'm in my 20s. Oh, I should buy a house, buy a house. Yeah. You know, as as the prices went up and up and then the property market fell apart. Yeah. But well, they essentially ruined the country. Oh, they, yeah. You know, destroyed it. And then, like, people were like, oh, that's it. Get Fine Gael in there. They'll they'll sort that out was the, the mindset. And they, I think they had their lowest ever... Um, percentage or number of seats whatever when, when Finnegale came in in 2011 yeah, and there was a lot of like supposed backlash and supposed anger like lip service to all this for people like oh we'd never and then they laid low for seven or eight years and yeah. here we are again here because we are again. people have these terribly short memories That's even weird, though they're still paying literally paying the debt you know the interest on, on the problems that they caused
0: but what do you think, like, so explain something to me here. In Malta, you continue to vote for your party. There's been this um, class uh, narrative that mm. just, to some extent is true and some extent isn't, is that if you're a nationalist, you're usually, if you're not of a religious bent, because the church and the nationalists were very closely tied mm. together. Um other... Issue we had here as well, like, yeah, you know? yeah, and I want to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so, if you were, if you weren't religious, so by by way of example, um, I came from a nationalist family, right? Mm-hmm. My my dad's mum, my grandmother, mm. went to church every day, yeah. right? She and her sister, um, and they were, f- uh, I mean, he wasn't like absolutely ab, he wasn't from an abjectly poor family, but yeah. he wasn't from a well-off family either. Yeah. Right. And it was they voted nationalist because the Labour Party that claimed, professed to be representative of the working class and whatever um, was quite thuggish. Yeah. They were so, like I said, Maltese history is basically, cut a long story short, the times that the Labour Party were in power yeah. and uh, I'm thinking in particular of when a guy called Dom Mintoff was Prime Minister of Malta, people dis- were disappeared. People yeah. showed up, you know, chopped up in wells and, you know, he enraged. He was kind of, he was a Trump-like character, yeah. basically. Um, he severed ties when he had arguments with a lot of the Western countries. He formed really close ties with uh, China, with Libya and Gaddafi um, and with Russia. And he had, he, he was basically, he led the party. The party had a very um, almost totalitarian measure to it and he had his cronies burn down the times of Malta building he had them uh, storm the opposition's house um, uh, punch the wife, um, chase the kids out of the house and everything, like really horrible stuff, anyway, so those are the two parties and the... When was the man
1: in power, roughly? The 80s Okay
0: Another similarity, yeah. <laughs> the 80s were fraught in yeah. Malta yeah, there were shootings, there were bombings, there was all of that. Like It was yeah. absolutely fraught. It almost seems like a rite of passage for a country coming out from under colonial rule. I oh, know, right? <laughs> um, I've lost where I was going with that, just by way of giving you... But you
1: were, I think, evincing the, the, the differences and yet similarities between... Yeah, because
0: I was going to ask you. Yeah. So when people in Malta vote for the, their respective party because their parents voted for the party and whatever else, it's because of this class sense of, mm. like, I'm fighting for my class in a way. Yeah, yeah. Why is it in Ireland that they keep voting, like, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil still have this following, although Sinn Féin recently have had an uptick, but why, like, who are they voting in opposition to or, give me a little idea about that. <laughs> I
1: I think it it just goes back to the historical bent again. You know, it's, you know, being the two oldest parties.
0: All right, so it's just they've been here long enough.
1: I, I genuinely think so. Like, we've always had these, in Ireland, instances of two sides of the fence and yet quite similar. Yeah. You know, we had that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, like, forming in the 40s and 50s as parties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, before that, we would have had, you know, the pro and anti-treaty people. Yeah. We would have come from the same group originally and then split. And before that, we probably would have had, like, say, instances in World War One where there would have been people who would have gone to fought for war, in the war for the British with the belief that that would earn them the right towards better rights and then the people who would be totally against supporting them in any way. Right. And then before that, we would have had, you know, there's a classic kind of treasured your class by taking the king's soup as they go, you know, and yes, all, so all this kind that, of stuff. We've we, been doing this for years, man. We've been doing this for hundreds of years where yeah. there was classically the struggle between like doing what you need to do to keep your family safe and being seen as like know yeah. loyal to the state but I think from a political sense of view it, it was there was no real major difference in the 40s and 50s between them but it's funny how like Ireland is so insular still in some ways mm mm-hmm. And that was one of the problems we had as a young state was that we were made insular by De Valera's decision to cut us off from trade from abroad and right stuff like that and like, try and become self sufficient, which sounds great. Don
0: Mintoff and Malta did exactly the same thing. And there you go. Yeah, you couldn't get anything other than a local made factory chocolate yeah. or the local. Yeah.
1: And like, I'm not. Which was I'm not necessarily apparently. against that as a concept, but it has mm. to be done properly. Yeah, um, and it's very quickly. Uh, sorry, it's very easy and quickly to get people into the mindsets of, like, it's it's so instant, it's so family-oriented, and it was yeah. so much that way for so long. There really is no good reason for people to do it other than their parents did. it. Yeah. And it's difficult for us to understand as a generation, I feel, because we are literally a different generation, whereas our parents, and maybe their parents, would have been so close in that family sense, and the familial sense, that to them, the concept of, you know, your local club or your local, whoever your parents' party was or whatever. It's just an alien concept to them Yeah, that you would go elsewhere with that, you know, to vote with your feet, as they say. And then, obviously the issues with Sinn Féin, now look, I'm not a political strategist here so I'm just going to give my take on it, is yeah. that, as we said before we came on here, there's a lot of baggage that comes with it and yeah. it was tied to a lot of, like, like, I remember as a kid growing up in Ireland and watching the news and there was constant trouble up north every, yeah. every, night in the news I remember the OMA bombings I remember how shocking it was to people and how it was the first initial kind of maybe this has all gone too far you know (laughs) and the kind of the path out of that and I hate to say all this right now at a time that we're seeing what's happening up north at the moment over the last you know week or two yeah but I think, you know, that third party choice here in Ireland brought so much baggage with it that it was seen as the most revolutionary thing to go voting for them. Yes, of course. And you probably saw sense. in the last election there was mostly young people who did vote for them.
0: Of course.
1: With the hope that maybe enough votes would bring a real change in power and then obviously the two lads jumped into bed together and it became the other party. Yeah. And I think it's difficult for people to evince that, like, there will be a path out of it. But... Yeah it's great that there's the emergence of so many new political parties and so many people who have a turn of view but that's also a problem because really what you need is a alternative strong option yeah because having lots of alternative small options doesn't really solve the problem no not unless they're I mean it, not unless they're willing to yeah. band you together which seems unlikely because there's going to be obviously certain things that would be an issue for,
0: for each one but it's like that... Monty, we've made, referenced that before, the Monty Python sketch, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. You know, um, all all the same thing under different names. Yeah. I th- I think the younger generation, as we saw with all the referendums that we had over, Ireland, thankfully in the last years that we got the positive results out of, Yeah, will make the change, but that change is going to take some time. It really is. You know, unless... It really <laughs> it's an awful thing to say, but until the people who continue... To vote for being involved so old that they're not around anymore to do that
0: yeah you know the, the older generation kind of dies out
1: yeah quite literally then you know it's it's not going to make a change and I guess you know would there be some sort of well, I've used this phrase before epigenetic sense of
0: epigenetic well, they were there uh, in the early
1: days they were the founders of the state they were the ones who gave us everything that, that people have. this kind of Sense reverence, of like, like reverence that Finnegall, finegal Finnegall, <laughs> <laughs> and fall represent old Ireland and classic Ireland, and we got our independence and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Do they have some sort of mental nostalgia emotional draw, tie like... and nostalgia tie that just brings them back? And mm. the concept of voting for some other party, some other changes who we are as a country, yeah. as if every goddamn country in the world isn't changing every day, anyways. You know,
0: yeah. it's a very interesting uh, chat. Uh, Area to kind of explore, and the idea that um, that I'm trying to think of the best way to word it, really, but it's like. <laughs> it's just interesting that um, you know the, the the notion of a country, the identity that a country has, its this, this sense of of self. You do want to throw back to the history and its foundation. And Ireland is one of those countries that has a definite... Like, everyone does it. Every country does it, basically. But at mm. the same time, to try and break away from it... Yeah. It's almost like, you know, kids rebelling against their their parents in a way. It's like... Oh, I don't know. I can't find the wording for it, I, really. I think
1: it is a problem with new states. I mean, and that's the thing. As young states it's going to be an issue we haven't found or found we haven't we're still trying to figure out who we are and then we yeah. just as we think we got it we feel we might have lost it you know
0: I, I don't want to sound grim but you know there is hope in the younger generation mm. as the older generation dies yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's all you can hope for I guess really radical change doesn't seem to be around the corner
1: no um it seems more like evolution than revolution to be honest you know and that does seem to be the case especially in a political sense for
0: evolution not revolution that's a good point to round that up on actually I like that line evolution not revolution I mean I'm all for revolution yeah (laughs) you know you need a critical mass to achieve that
1: think about it this way I often thought like how weird everything has been in the last year or two in this kind of situation we all find ourselves in and yet we've adjusted to the new normal as people keep calling it that's fine But imagine if you from two years ago got Mm -hmm. a brief glimpse at the moment of what's going on. You wouldn't have a goddamn clue what's happening. Yeah. And you wouldn't recognize the world it is. So then show what we have right now to someone from the 40s and they wouldn't have a goddamn clue either. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like 70 years. In some ways, like 70 years as a stage to have gotten to a point where at least thankfully we did vote. You know.
0: Yeah. the, The referendums you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like thankfully we got the right results there and it's kind of a proud moment in some ways that like we were one of the first places to have that happen you know it's yeah. just oh, if definitely. nothing else at least we got that one right
0: <laughs> yes at least you know that's an indication a flag milestone yeah. well, for hope
1: you could do an old brown envelope tour of ireland you know you could go to all the hot spots and go races for all the deals and the shaky handshakes from ed you know
0: yeah oh that's our alarm oh well, there we go that's the timer going That's good timing
1: okay <laughs> so oh, that up, i think is it for today um as ever we'd be interested to hear your own take on it um i know that the book that i andrew mentioned the irish state and revolution by james O'Toole, is like a pretty good read and some yeah. of the sense of history as we hit the 100 year anniversary of the the treaty signing
0: and also ship of fools by Fintan O'Toole. O'Toole. Another O'Toole. Yeah. What is it with the O'Toole's? I don't
1: know. They're (laughs) prolific. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us again today, and we will catch you next week.
0: Thank you very much. Bye-bye.